You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately. And I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. Welcome to OKSIS Podcast. Hi, sisters. I'm Maddie. And I'm Scout. And we are sisters IRL. I'm the older one. Yes, Scout. We know. Here at OKSIS, we believe women are multifaceted. Which is why you can expect sisterly banter on a wide range of topics such as pop culture, our entrepreneurial journeys, and mental health routines. We promise it'll be informative. And silly. As long as you don't get too loud, Mads. Welcome to the sisterhood. Hello and welcome back to OK Sis. My name is Maddie. Hi Mads, I'm Scout. And uh, you want to know what song I was listening to this morning? Oh, fuck me. What was that? I forgot how it goes now. It's such a ratchet, like, club oh. song. You know what I mean? I've been listening to it straight and now I'm getting cold feet. Popping bottles in the ice Mm-mm. like a lizard. When Did we, we drink, do we it do it right. right. Getting, getting slizzard. Yeah, that's a great one. That song... Literally, just by listening to it, I become drunk. Like, <laughs> I am drunk. Oh, I got the song. Okay. Okay, now, ladies. Yeah, you feel it yeah, bad. Yeah, you know you bad. Bend over, make your ass, make it earn, It's like, uh Bend over, make your ass, make it baba. Literally, I'm, like, in my car, like, like trying to like back it up, you know what I mean? While I'm driving pregnant, it's amazing. Uh, that's quite a sight, quite the sight. I just put on, which I'm smelling right now, the new Topicals Exfoliating Lotion. I am so excited to try that. However, I cannot put it on at this moment since it has retinol and pregnant women are not supposed to use retinol. Oh, so I have to wait. That is And true. it is like a tease because I got it last night in the mail and I was like, oh my God, I want to try this so badly. So you know how I said my toxic trait is that I'm always bloated and I do nothing about it? Well, my other toxic trait is that I have chicken skin. A lot of women have this you on their arms where it's skin. like 
little red, red bumps. Mm -hmm. And again, toxic trait is that I complain about it all the time and like shame myself for it, but then never do anything about it. I actually just bought like specific body wash from CeraVe and lotion that combats it. Mm -hmm. Um, and then this was so serendipitous that topicals came out with like an exfoliating lotion. So I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, that's perfect. Exfoliating is, I was in the market. I was in the market. It's pretty crazy how we neglect the exfoliation aspect of the body routine. It is a very important step, a very important step. Well, we we neglect the whole the rest of the body. We care so much about our face and our skincare on our face. We neglect the body, or at least I do. Now, I'm pretty good about the body because I have really dry skin at this point. And, and with, like, obviously the belly bump, I'm lathering up the body oil constantly. Oh, how has the, how's the Summer Fridays bo body, sorry, belly butter? So I think I'm allergic to it. Oh, no. Yeah. <gasps> what do you mean? <sighs> so I started using it and then I would get in bed. So I would use like an oil in the morning and the summer Friday bombs at night. And I would get really like a, a very light, nothing serious, but I'd feel really itchy all over my body. And that's kind oh, of like the... No. the the bottom line denominator of why now I don't think, I think this is a very much like individual case, me scenario. I don't think this is like what happens when you put on the summer Friday's body. I don't want to like start that rumor, sure. but for me specifically, I think there's something in there. I also am really sensitive. Like I, I get histamine reactions. I've had rashes before and stuff. I'm not like it's not chronic, but it does happen to me from time to time. So I think that maybe yeah. there's a scent that my body doesn't like. So I unfortunately, I was using it all the time. And then I'd get in bed and I was like, why do why is like my whole fucking body itchy for five straight minutes? So well, I'm glad my gift really uh, helped you. Yeah, it made me happy when I saw <laughs> it in the mail. Made you happy. That's all. That, that was the goal. So yeah, at the moment, I'm using the Hatch Belly Oil, which is a divine dream. Okay, so also, I just want to say that OKC's podcast is such a good hot girl walk podcast. <laughs> okay, sisters, I get a text message from Maddie and she says, does it make me a narcissist that I laugh to my own podcast? And I said, nope, I do it all the time. It is so embarrassing when I listen to OKC because I, so I literally start laughing out loud because I don't, I don't realize, I don't think we're actually that funny when we're talking, but when I hear it back, I, I like crack up. Yeah. Like, sisters listening, do you think we're funny? Because <laughs> I listened back and I I was peeing my pants. Like, just the, the back, it's like a volleyball. It's like a volleyball. Well, yeah, like a tennis match back and forth with us. Like, I <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm going to just toot my our own horn for a second. I just think we're so funny. Yeah. And I just think it's also an amazing Hawk Girl Walk podcast. I know that there's like a trend on TikTok where people are recommending podcasts to, to listen to while you do a Hawk Girl Walk. And- Dude, we should be on every one of those lists. Oh, let's do a little CTA. Sisters, if you think we are funny, do one of two or do two things. That'd be sick. <laughs> Text our, your favorite episode to a friend who needs to join the sisterhood, who needs to listen to Mad Scout yes. and all of our plethora of amazing guests. And do that trend on TikTok or Reels and put OK Sis as your Hot Girl Walk podcast. As your rec. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. I mean... Yeah, I was just giggling my way through the day yesterday. I, I, it's a delight. It's a delight to chat with you, Scout. Oh, wow. Thank you. That makes me feel good inside. I, I was actually resurfacing some of our reels. Like I was just watching a couple of them back because I was bored one day. And... <laughs> 
we have to revisit the delivery room talk of who's going to be in the delivery room because now it's like an actual oh, thing yes. that I have to start thinking about and planning for. So I, I don't know if I if I'm going to be in there. Well, I can only have one person other than my husband in there. So because of COVID. Yeah, so there we go. <laughs> so because of COVID, it's me, my husband, and I think I get one more person. I'm going to confirm with my doctor because a week from today I have my 20-week ultrasound. So if I can only have one other person, obviously my mother needs to be in there to help coach me and soothe me. But I don't I don't know if she's going to want to do that. There won't be any like motivation or inspiration. Like it's just going to be... I don't know. I don't know if she's the right person. You definitely don't want dad in there. He'll be live streaming it. Like we said last time, he'll be live streaming it on Facebook. Okay. So if mom, I have to give the first right to mo- to mother, to mother, have babe. If she doesn't want to do it, mm-hmm. you're, I feel like you're next in line. You know, I'll step up to the plate. <laughs> I think it would be so fucking entertaining. Like you, me and Adam in the room. What if I made a TikTok no. of you giving birth? No. I could vlog the whole experience. No. That would be what I would do. Just don't, like, if you faint, I'm going to fucking kill you. You know what I mean? Oh, if I faint? Yeah. Actually, that would be something that would happen. Like, I would make it about me. If you and Adam faint, I will just be like, fuck <laughs> my life. <laughs> you, there's this Friends episode where Phoebe is giving birth to triplets, and Joey, like, has... I guess like some pain or something. And it, and then it was gall, gallstones, gall, kidney stones, kidney stones, <laughs> yikes, kidney stones. And she was like, yeah, at first I thought it was sympathy pains and it was like really nice. But like, now I just think he's trying to steal my thunder. <laughs> and that was, that would totally oh be me. God. So anyways, we have to have this conversation. I have to talk to mom. I'll probably be like, so I want you to be in the room. And she'll be like, mm, okay. <laughs> yeah. She won't be excited for that moment and that, uh, that time. Yeah. Actually, so am I. It's going to be a very special time. Anyways, do you have uh, any updates before we get to current fixations and the pregnancy Q&A? I guess a little update from what I said last week. I did finish Carrie Soto is back by TJR. Everyone, you are all going to thoroughly enjoy it. And I'm officially want to be a tennis player like I Ben has been oh that's who Carrie Soto is she's the girl that the husband had an affair on from the main character in Malibu Rising I was like I know that name but I couldn't place the TGR character got it that's her is she do you like her or is she just as insufferable as she was in Malibu Rising you know I don't remember her as much in Malibu Rising she is a very ambitious character. You're not going to like her for like the first three-fourths of the book. Or you will. Like, obviously, you she's the main character, so you'll start to like her. But the ending does kind of turn things around. But she is, she's, she's just an incredibly ambitious and fearless, fierce woman. Mm-hmm. But the whole book is just, you know, just tennis. Literally, every single scene is her playing tennis and in a tennis match. And Ben June is a big, you know, tennis guy. He's a tennis enthusiast. We made his um, itinerary for his bachelor. It's like tennis in the morning, brisk walk in the afternoon. Maybe a little brewery action and then... And then to bed by nine is usually what the bachelor situation. Yeah. And like maybe going to like an NPR local talk or something. (laughs) NPR local talk. It's going to be the hot guy walk bachelor party. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They all listen to like inspiring podcasts. (laughs) Guy Roz makes an appearance, Um, you know. (laughs) 
or uh, Michael Barbaro from the Daily. It's going to be incredible. He's like, hello, what's Michael Barbaro? We'll see you tomorrow. We'll see you at Ben's bachelor party. Okay. So anyways, Ben June has been trying to get me to play tennis forever. And I'm like, you know, we're not sports gals. We don't, we're not sporty. So this book though has turned me. I'm going to get a tennis dress from Outdoor Voices. I have a tennis skirt from Aloe. It's my favorite. It's pretty sexy in my opinion. Like I look, I look bomb in it. Well, not now because it doesn't fit me, but. Yeah. So I'm going to look the part. I told him like 50% of the tennis lesson has to be like taking content because like I need to get some cute like tennis court (laughs) outfit, like photos. I mean, what the fuck am I going to do there? Like play? Yeah, we'll play for a little, but but I I need I I want the photos. So you'll see me you'll see me there. Tennis really is actually like not when you actually play it competitively, but when you just kind of like fuck around on a on a court with some balls and shit. It's a nice, brisk, fun, buoyant activity. Yeah, it's in theory, it's it sounds amazing yeah. to like have a Sunday morning little tennis, like, morning. You know, it's like a bougie country club vibe. But we're afraid of the ball, so. We're afraid of sports. I don't do well with sporty things. I'm specifically afraid of the ball. Like, if I walk on, let's say, a beach boardwalk and they're playing volleyball, I get afraid that someone's going to hit the ball over to where I am and I'm going to have to go get the ball and give it back. That oh, entire no. that entire no, no, no. interaction gives me so much anxiety. That's how I feel about beer pong. Whenever I play beer pong, I'm like, I don't want to run to get this ball every time it fucking falls on the floor. Mm. Yeah, it's not really about the running. It's about the afraid that it's either going to hit me, I'm going to handle it wrong, I'm not going to pass it the right way back. It's just an entire... Yeah, you're not going to pass it. You're not going to pass it. That's kind of like a soccer ball. If it comes near me, I'm like, I'm not kicking this ball to you. Like They're like, just kick it. Just kick it 40 feet over here. I'm like, I'm going to I'm gonna walk it over. Yeah, like, I'm not kicking yeah, this either. to yeah, you. No. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> okay, so let's do, let's do <laughs> We've had a lot of sports chatter the past couple episodes. Really? I don't remember others. We got baseball. We talked baseball. Oh, people really liked that conversation. <laughs> do you know that as I was, okay, so the reel got put up and I commented. And as I was commenting, I go to sit down and I see a baseball mitt where I want to sit down on the couch. Like I was like, going to die. Wait, wait, so Adam actually plays baseball? No, he just has this baseball mitt that I think he takes <laughs> to the Padre games when he goes. I think it's like an inevitable, like if he has a child, well, he is going to have a child and the child wants to play ball. Like he can do it with that. But no, oh I've never god. actually seen him utilize it. Will your baby girl, oh my god, what if your baby girl turns out to be like a sports girl? Like a sports girl. That's when I say, "Adam, you got your dream. Have fun." And then he does he does the stuff. We're going to have so much fun going to the little field and we'll bring like little we'll bring snacks and wine yeah. and just like, you know, and the Coleman chairs. Okay, perfect. It's full circle. Full circle Coleman full circle. chairs. We'll be good. Maybe like a fan. Yeah, <laughs> like we, need a a, we need a standing we need a portable, portable fan. standing fan. So we don't schwitz and then we'll get a Coleman chair. We'll bring some portable wine. We'll wear tennis outfits to the soccer. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, there we go. Perfect. And you'll just and then scream. if the ball hits us, we will not return the ball. We'll you run guys away. Come get the ball. Oh my god. This is you know what? I'm glad that we accept who we are and we boldly just embody it to the fullest. I don't give a fuck if people think I'm whatever. <laughs> I don't give a fuck if people think I'm whatever. <laughs> what? <laughs> what was that? Okay. 
honestly, I've become fearless in Same. who I am. So you sent me a video this morning of us dancing like lunatics in the movie theater after we saw In the Heights. And it gave me such joy. And then it gave me such joy for a couple reasons. One, you and I were just purely in our element, being silly, having fun. And two, we felt so comfortable in our joy and comfortable with each other and comfortable in ourselves to do that in a public space in front of a full theater. And then I was... No, there was no one else in that theater, just so, just so we're clear. There were people in that theater. It, the credits had just started. People were getting up to go and you and I gave a dance. There was many people in the theater. We gave a performance. I'm going to post that. I don't think I don't think we posted that. I'm going to post it. We, we, yeah, just pure joy. But I just feel like a lot of people that like they wouldn't they would feel self-conscious to just get up and start salsa mm-hmm. dancing in a public spot but we were just feeling it and having fun together and I can always count on you to do those things with me and we don't care yeah I'm always down for a good dance party for sure it's a good way to live life okay so my current fixation this is I'm so obsessed with the new Kardashian show on Hulu and oh this comes as a surprise one always been a fan of the Kardashians I am not someone who has anything negative to say about them. I respect them for their business acumen and the life that they have built. I have never watched the Kardashian show. I don't know why. I just never did. You know, of uh, course, I've... You've seen Keeping Up. No, I did not watch that. Like, I've seen a couple episodes, but I never consecutively watched Keeping Up with the Kardashians. So I didn't think that I would watch the Hulu show just because I didn't ever watch Keeping Up. And I am so hooked on this show. I don't know if it's that different from Keeping Up with the Kardashians, but what I like about their new Hulu show is that it actually does feel as if they give us the human thought processes behind what they do. Like, I wouldn't expect Kim to be in a pinch me moment, grateful gratitude for being on the cover of Vogue or being on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Like she can't believe that she's on the cover of Sports Illustrated. She can't believe she gets these opportunities. And I would think that she would assume that those opportunities come to her because of who she is. So to almost see her her kind of humility behind her her reactions to these events and the way she shows up at these photo shoots or at these collaborations it's really refreshing to see because one would assume that she's like, of course I get the Sports Illustrated thing. But she she really is in awe and so grateful for everything that comes her way. And to see that side, like the more human side, the fact that she was nervous to do SNL. She couldn't believe she got cast to do SNL. It's just refreshing because I feel like it brings them down to that human level. You know, that even when you get to that level you're still shocked at the opportunity, or if you remain humble and grateful, you still get to have those moments of, wow, this is my life. A hundred percent. We're also seeing just, I can tell the shift in her energy for sure on this new show and just the era of her life, not only, you know, being divorced from Kanye, I think it really shows how much distress she was under or how much, you know, how much codependence Yeah, I feel like she, from what I gather, it really sounds as if she felt as if she didn't have an independent voice, like an independent, what's the word when you have agency? Like I felt as if she didn't have that gut reaction or compass in her that knew, oh, this is my personal power. This is what I do. I feel like Kanye probably 
shadowed that over her and dictated a lot of that for yeah. her like yeah you know it's interesting seeing her being like i don't know what my style is i'm like okay girl like come on you yes you do like just you're kim kardashian like you could put it together yeah but i also think that her style became very specific when she started yeah Mm-hmm. dating Kanye and married Kanye because Kanye probably picked everything out. And when someone picks everything out for years and years and years and makes you make those choices and take those fashion risks and like very much brands you as a fashion icon, when that person leaves, it's like a, what is my identity without Kanye's opinion? And that's a yeah. very relatable thing that a lot of us can get into with significant others or friends or our role models, our mentors, right? Like stuff like that. I'm with you. I think the show is so phenomenal. So phenomenal. It is really not that different from Keeping Up. There's just slight differences. Like they look into the camera. They're allowed to break the fourth wall, which I don't. Look, it's fine because it feels like we're... I like that. But they do it so rarely that like when it happens, I like get... I'm like, whoa. And then I'm just not used to it. But... Overall, fantastic. I mean, yeah, they're giving everything. They literally, they don't have to do this. And no. they give us everything. Yeah. I I, I enjoy it immensely. I mean, obviously, I wish Kendall was more on the show. She clearly takes a back seat and doesn't want to be filmed as much. But that's my only... Kylie, too. Yeah. Yeah, both of them. But I, it's probably because Kylie's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Anyways, yeah, great. Love the Kardashians. I've been, I've been keeping up as well. So that's great. Same. Ever since having a baby, I've been extremely conscious about what I spend my money on and which products I use. And clothing is no different. I want my wardrobe to be sustainable, good quality, and timeless. You have to be talking about Whimsy and Row, right? Whimsy and Row is an LA grown, eco conscious brand born out of the love for cute, comfy, and classic styles. Every piece is made by women for women. Quality goods, local production, natural and organic fabrics. Yes, please give me all the linens. Just like OK Sister, Whimsy and Row is based on the idea that women are multidimensional. There's a balance of flirty feminine and minimal masculine in all of our wardrobes, and Whimsy and Row means exactly that. From special occasions to everyday effortless styles, their clothing is meant to mix and match and wear on repeat. I have been wearing their Kira pant in black linen probably three times a week. Sisters, if you've been listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram, you know that Whimsy and Rose Kira Pant in Black Linen is a sisterhood staple at this point. Founder Rachel Temko created the brand back in 2014 because she wanted to create an approachable and inclusive brand that cared for the people and the planet first. Get the full Whimsy experience IRL at their Venice location or shop online at whimsyandrow.com. Their store in Venice is so cute. I can attest. And if you're in LA, I highly recommend stopping by. They are always putting on these amazing community events. They just launched their spring summer collection and we will be living in it all summer long. Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off. Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. 
I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie. Like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once. The white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless design. So you can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Okay, my current fixation. So everyone knows that one of my brand pillars is playing Ramacue. And I have I love it so much that I literally created a club for it with my business, Camber. And literally my excuse, it was so funny. We were at the first Rama Cube Club and they were like, what if this was like why you built Camber? Like just so that you could find a community to write off parties. My Rama Cube, my Rama Cube Club is just the whole, the whole thing of Camber. So I recently, on the last Rama Cube Club, this girl told me that I should download the Rama Cube app. And I was like, yeah, but I feel like that's weird to play on. Like, I don't know. I need to see it in front of me and move the tiles around. And she was like, believe me, you're going to fucking, you're never, I'm never going to see you again. Like, you are not going to see the light of day. And this morning I was like, you know, I'm doing my morning routine. And I was like, you know what I would like, I would love a like, you know, uh, intellectually stimulating activity, kind of like playing Wordle in the morning, right? So I go on the app and I played Robin Cube against two random people in the world and I won and you will never see me again. Like that is what I'm going to be doing all night tonight. Ben June is in Vegas. Yuck. Why is Ben June in Vegas? He's at a bachelor party. What's your stance on Vegas? I'm I'm 100% anti. So I've only done Vegas twice and they've both been with dad. So Yeah, that's different. That's different. I'm a Vegas person for the like I would be down to go for a weekend to see Carlos Santana, eat at amazing restaurants or Pitbull. If Football was there. That might be too much for me in Vegas. That's a lot. Like, I'll I'll see him at San Diego. Like, Vegas might be too much for me. I find Vegas to be an interesting moment, but the high-end food and Carlos Santana route. Not the club, not the pool party, none of that crap. I want, like, a beautiful hotel room. I want a steak dinner. I want to go see Carlos Santana, and that's about it. Yeah, I I would agree with that. But if I never go back to Vegas again in my life, I th- I think I think I'll be fine. Anyway, so he's gone tonight, so that you're not gonna hear from me. I'm gonna be in the bed by like maybe 7 p.m. with a glass of wine, playing my Rama Cube against <laughs> strangers in the world. Guess what I'll be doing tonight at seven o'clock? Oh, what? We can't get into it because I'm gonna hyperventilate. I'm gonna go on a tangent. 
I'm going to lose my goddamn mind. What? Okay. I'm going to see the last Jurassic World movie tonight at 7. Oh, my God! Wait! How did we not start with this? Oh, but I okay. totally forgot. <sighs> First of all, everyone has abandoned me. Apparently, our mom lives in Palm Springs now. I text her. I'm like, what are we doing for Shabbat? She's like, oh, I'm still in Palm Springs for the past three weeks. I was like, also, when do they work? Because, like, Steven's, like, being a contractor. I'm like, when are you guys running your company? You guys are just, like, in Palm Springs. <laughs> they don't They don't sleep. They're no. f- nuts. They're, They're nuts. nuts. Anyways, but, yeah, so I'm, I don't know. I guess, who do I go with? So I'm down. I'm obviously going to want to see it again. I told mom when we're in Palm Springs next week that we could all go. Oh, okay. That's what, that's what we'll do. Perfect. So just real quick, because I just can't allow myself to fry my... You can't get too much into it. You can't get too much into it. But I wasn't allowing myself to understand the gravity of this reality until today. And it hit me in my team meeting. So as it hit me, I had to derail the entire team meeting at Scouts Agency and give them a play-by-play of my entire history of Jurassic Park while getting flushed and hot and and like, whew. Tell the sisters a little bit because I don't think, you know, for any new sisters listening, one of Scouts' brand pillars is that she is she is a, a little like too emotionally attached to Jurassic Park. Like it's a little, it's like a little mania vibes. Yeah, it's mania vibes. So I am not, this is what I am. I am not a Jurassic Park expert fan. Like you cannot take me to Jurassic Park trivia and I would know sure. everything. That's sure, not sure, sure. the fan level I'm at. The fan level I'm at is that I am incredibly emotionally invested and lose control of my nervous system and my emotions when I am in the presence of the Jurassic Park world. So when I was 14, I thought it was so upsetting. Maybe I was 13. I just thought it was the worst thing in the world that I would never live to see a new Jurassic Park movie. I was really depressed about it. And then they gave us Jurassic World 1. And it was a revolutionary. It was a resurrection. It was the Messiah for me. It was proof God exists. It It was was everything. (laughs) It was, it was more, you know what? It's more than I deserve. So I am so grateful to the Jurassic Park gods for giving me and humbling me and, and bestowing upon me the gift of three more Jurassic Park movies. One came out, Jurassic World 1. Fabulous. We have Chris Pratt. We have him on a motorcycle. I guess if you don't know, I'm also sexually attracted to motorcycles as an inanimate object. And you're sexually attracted to Chris Pratt. (laughs) I'm very sexually attracted to Chris Pratt on a motorcycle with raptors. Like, that scene is incredible. That is the best fucking scene I could ever imagine in my life. So, I was at a movie theater. No, 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 we were at dinner. And um, I cry when the theme song comes on. I've done this my whole life. Like, I just start crying. And so you and mom were teasing me and egging me on because I clearly lose my fucking mind when we start talking about this. So I start crying. Da, 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 no, no, no. I don't want to hear it. Da, I don't want to hear it. Da, 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 Okay. <laughs> Do I stop? Oh, my God. Do I sound like it? I yeah, kind of do. Adam bought me a wind-up doll. Oh. Sings it. Oh my God. This is like yeah, this is like a party trick. If you ever want to see Scout cry, <laughs> just start playing. Okay, but I don't have time for this whole thing. We have to okay, get into pregnancy Q and A, so I can go f- through it later. But basically, I wasn't extra on the last Jurassic Park World movie. I I did make it on the big screen, and um. <laughs> This movie is really important to me. Yeah, it's the last one. It's important to all of us. No, 
No, it's really important yes. to me, <laughs> to me, me. I'm going to cry when Jeff Goldblum comes on the screen. I need a moment because this is the last Jurassic World movie that I'll ever see in person. <laughs> it's the last one. And not only is it the last one, we have the three main characters back. We have Jeff Goldblum, Laura Dunn, and Alan Grant because we don't know Alan Grant's real name. And it's going to be them with Chris Pratt. I don't know Alan Grant's real name. And so it's, I think I've been in denial because while I'm really excited for tonight, I know at the end it'll be the last time I will ever see a new Jurassic Park movie in my life. Oh my God, I'm crying of laughter and you're crying of real tears. I am. This deceived. is not pregnancy oh. hormones, by the way. This is how I, know, I am. You're, this is real. This is, this is real. Um, you need to listen to Jeff Goldblum on Conan's podcast. He is he is a specimen of a human. Like he I is so unique. I am obsessed with him. Honestly, he might be in my top three. See, but yeah, it's really weird because like that's not like a crush thing for me. Oh, I would fuck Jeff Goldblum. I would not. It'd feel weird. I'd feel like kind of like. I feel like he is a beautiful lover. Yeah, he could be like, I feel like he's really poetic and like whispers romantic things into your ears. And he's like, it's like a performance art situation. Yeah, it was, it would be erotic. He would then, and then he's like a jazz musician. So then he would play you some jazz. Wow. Oh, he would be fantastic in bed. Okay, I'll let you do that and report back. Okay. Wow, I'm so happy for you for tonight. That's so exciting. Okay, you'll report back. I'm gonna need a Great. wellness check tomorrow. Yeah, we'll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll do a wellness check on Scout. Okay, let's get into pregnancy Q and A from the sisterhood. Yay! Yay! Okay, why don't we start with? I think I asked you this really, but just so we can get it on record. Oh, are you adding a question in? <laughs> no, I I'm I was re I was reading the questions. Okay. Your go-to outfit. Like what's your pregnancy and bump outfit going to be? I think I asked you this. You don't like the Rihanna expose of the belly. I personally, I think for you, I'm just going to answer this one. I think a tight skims situation. Okay. So here's my pregnancy vibe. It's what they call the bump suit. It's like a it's like a leotard that's a onesie, but for your bump. That's the best move because you can wear that. I have the I have it from the hatch. The hatch is one is so good and comfy. So I wear that and I can throw like an oversized blazer or I can throw a cardigan on or I can throw a kimono, a robe, whatever. So that's my favorite. Everything tight, I think, is best for me. So I just got the skims. It's like a dress. I don't know what it's called. It's a it's like a tank top dress. That one is amazing because I have huge, huge, huge boobs. I need tighter, 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 tighter stuff. Like the, the overflowy stuff doesn't look as great on me. So my whole thing is I got the Lululemon Align leggings that come up. So I'm probably just going to wear like on a day-to-day -day basis leggings and a crop top, leggings over the bump and then a crop top or the bump suit. So the one piece onesie, like tight leotard suit or skims dresses like that's that's it okay you know it's kind of lucky that you don't have like a wedding to go to or like a very formal event I always think about that for pregnant women like yeah it, that that's a little that's trickier however there are a lot of things that you can do but I know but it's more about like 
it's kind of annoying then to have to buy like a whole nice dress that you probably won't be able to wear again. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think that you could probably dress up the Skims one that comes up as a mock turtleneck. I think you can dress that one up really, really nicely with some beautiful accessories and some gorgeous shoes. So you could do something like that probably. Okay. All right. Let's talk about your birthing plan and pregnancy cravings. Has it shifted since the last time we chatted? So pregnancy cravings, I feel like in the first trimester, I was just very clear about what I wanted in the moment. So I had strong opinions about what felt good in that moment. Like whatever, uh, in and out felt amazing, but brown rice sounded fucking disgusting. Shrimp sounded amazing, but salmon sounded disgusting, but then it would switch. So my pregnancy cravings pretty much switch all the time, but something kind of unanimously across the board that I love are pickles, Wetzel's pretzels, like getting a big Wetzel pretzel is so good with mustard is, is like, I haven't, I've only done it twice, but I dream about Wetzel pretzels. Where are you getting these Wetzel pretzels? So when we went to Palm Springs for our cousin's wedding, we stopped off at the outlets and I started getting really sick. I felt dizzy. I felt overheating. I felt faint, like I was going to either pass out or throw up and I needed food, but I, at that point, couldn't just eat whatever because food is really actually gross for most of pregnancy for me. So I found a Wetzel's pretzels and like basic, just regular bread is usually a safe bet no matter what. So I had the Wetzel's pretzels with a lot of mustard and I just was in heaven. And then five minutes later, I felt like anew, like I was reborn. Okay. Birthing plan. Obviously we're going into a hospital. Are we getting a doula? So... Here is my opinion about the birthing plan. I don't know, and I think this is something that pregnancy has taught me in general. There's no real way to plan. And as someone who has never given birth, I have no fucking clue what that experience is and what I'm going to want in the moment. So I was thinking of all my options. I was like, do I want to do an at-home birth, a natural birth, da 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 And I said, you know what? For the first one, I I do want to go to the hospital for the first one because I don't know what to expect and I would feel more comfortable just with that. Epidural-wise, like, yeah, I'll probably take it. But again, I don't have strict, like, I'm not going into it being like, oh, I'm for sure going to get an epidural. But I'm also not going into it like, no way I don't want to get an epidural. I'm really just going to go with the flow and see how I feel. There are, I'm not going to get a doula. I, I don't know why. It's very weird. I don't feel the need to over-educate myself and overly be supported in this in this space because at the end of the day, like my baby's going to do what my baby's going to do. My body's going to do what my body's going to do. I know how to be a healthy person, right? And I saw an Instagram ad very early on and they're like, your prenatal's not enough. You're going to need more nutrients. You're going to need more supplements. I was like, Okay, at what point, like, this is crazy. Like, stop. I'm not buying your extra prenatal supplements. I'm not doing all this stuff. So with the birth plan, I feel really comfortable being like, I don't know what's going to happen. So whatever happens, happens. And I have a couple things that I do want to make sure I'm really firm about with my doctor, which is that unfortunately, and I understand why, and so much respect to our doctors and our nurses who deliver babies. They have an extremely tough and crazy sporadic job that is so, so important. But because it's a job and because it's a hospital, because there's an influx of women get, you know, giving birth, a part of the process is 
very much like a uh, like an assembly line, right? And so yeah, like a machine. It's like a machine. And so doctors at times can be like, we need to do a C-section just kind of because you're not giving labor and they want to get you out. But it's you don't need a C-section. You can go another 12 or 24 hours without a C-section. So I want to be very clear that I will not get a C-section unless it is an emergency and it is needed. And I just want to be aware of like pushing practices because I've heard of nurses being like, don't push, your doctor's not here yet. And that to me seems wild. So there's a couple things like that that I just want to make note. Like you cannot push me to do a C-section. There's other things like they cut the cord right away, which I heard leaving it for two minutes is really beneficial for the baby. But because of you know, the way they do things, it's easier for doctors to cut the cord. So there's a couple things like that, that I'm going to educate myself on and make sure my doctor knows. But as far as a birthing plan, like it's in God's hands. Like we're going to show up and see what happens. You know, we're going to show the fuck up. Wait. So do you know who the doctor is going to be yet? So I thank God I'm so grateful and blessed to have incredible health insurance. And I have the best gyno in San Diego, pretty much. They're incredible. And so what they do is there's, I don't know, maybe there's like 10 gynos on call or in in the practice. And so they each have days that they are in the delivery room. So my doctor... So you don't have one. It can just be whenever that, whenever the day is. It could be someone from the practice, but all of the gynos get together every month and they go over all of their patients that are due that month and all of their birth requests and all of their charts. And they're like, this person is a little skittish or this person's a little anxious about this. And they talk about what that person needs so that when I get there, it, it might not be my doctor, but it will be a doctor that my doctor has spoken to and works with and trusts and is in the practice. Okay, that's great. That's great. Okay, these two questions are fairly similar. So I'm going to lump them together. How are you approaching maternity leave as a business owner? And then part two, are you happy that you've gone down the entrepreneurial path versus something traditional now that you're going to have a child? So also maternity leave and post baby is something that everybody speaks pretty differently about. But I think there is a general consensus that it's like survival mode craziness. And yet, you know, I was listening to Pia Baroncini and she didn't really take a maternity leave and she thought it was fine. She also had her mom living in with her. She lives with her mom. So that could be a reason why that was a little bit easier for her. But I am taking a maternity leave in the sense that my baby is due November 9th. And so November 1st, all the way, like starting November 1st, there are no more calls on my calendar. So I don't have client calls. I don't have sales calls. I don't have podcasts. I don't have team calls. So there's nothing on my calendar. And so I'm just going to, I'm going to take it as it is. I do plan on taking two months for sure, like fully, but if I hop on a team call in three weeks, like I might hop on a team call. Again, this is also my business and the financial success of my business and being able to pay six employees and making rent and making bills. I cannot just completely escape from my mind. My business is not at that level yet. It's at a really beautiful level that I'm so fortunate that I get to take those two months and feel good about it. But the idea that I won't be slacking my team at times, I think like for the first two weeks, I'm probably not even going to check email, check Slack or anything. And then I can imagine myself just like having a call with Heather, my director of clients, having a call with Danielle, my assistant. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like if, yeah, I feel like they, they will keep things afloat and then also just kind of like update you with no yeah. need to like respond or anything. But yeah, I think I'm very proud of you for putting- and then I- I'm giving you a compliment. Oh, sorry. 
I'm very proud of you for setting the foundation and the structure of your business in a way so that it can sustain itself and live and breathe on its own. I felt the same way that when we were in Tulum where, you know, it can continue, especially when you have client work, like that's, you know, that's really, that's kind of scary, but it's like, you do have that foundation and team and delegation that you've set in place. Yeah, it is. It is very, very special and incredible that the day-to-day operations of my business can run without me if I need to step back. That level I'm so, so, so grateful for. And I'm noticing, especially since I did step back a little bit in the first trimester, that the overarching like scaling, revenue building, et cetera, really is still dependent on me. And so that's probably going to be where I check in and, and keep going. But I think about why it took me a year and a half to get pregnant. And I and I really do believe in God's timing. And if I got pregnant when I started trying, I would not have been able to take this maternity leave. I would not have built this business up. I would not have support. Yeah. I would not have launched my book. Like this truly is the ideal timing. And I'm so grateful I didn't get pregnant beforehand because I wouldn't have been able to feel confident in taking a two month. So that's my maternity leave. Am I grateful that I chose the entrepreneurial path now that I'm about to be a mother? Yes, very, 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 very much so. I am so grateful that I've been able to be flexible with my energy and how I feel. I have altered my schedule significantly since I feel really great one day and then I feel really shitty the next day still. So I've been able to know that like between nine and two, I do my best work and that I'm only coming into the office these days and I can kind of create that structure without having to muscle through it to appease a boss or whatever. So I'm so incredibly grateful for that. And I will say that there's always a pro and con to every single avenue we choose, whether it's working for someone else or being the boss. And the con for me is that it feels like a lot of responsibility to become a mother and to grow a child and to be pregnant and then to bring a baby into the world and be responsible for that process and my own physical health and my baby's physical health while also being responsible for the health of my business at the same time. That is definitely, um, has felt sometimes like a daunting thing to balance, especially since Adam is getting his PhD. So our income does rely on me. And so that at times can feel a little daunting where someone who works at another job like has their income set. They know what they're going to get for maternity leave, et cetera. So it's, it's just different. But yes, I am so grateful that I set up my entrepreneurial business in this sense and I would definitely not have it any other way. I would add another element to that. I was listening to Ashley Tisdale on the To Be Magnetic podcast with Lacey. Really, really fascinating episode. I think you should listen to it because they talk I mean, exclusively about motherhood and, you know, her career and her life and how it, how motherhood has shaped that and everything. But one thing she said, and I, I think this is a common sentiment, but I loved when she said it, she, whenever she does like shoots for her company or like going into work or whatever, she'll tell her husband to bring their baby so that the baby can see the mom Uh, see her doing in her element and working and like that's just something 
that she thinks is super important for the baby to witness. I think even Kylie does this. She just did a TikTok where she's like, I'm bringing Stormy to go see Kylie's skin at Ulta for the first time. And like, that's just such a beautiful moment for the daughter to see their mom in such a powerful position. And I think you've set that up for her to be able to like witness that gift. Yeah, 100%. And we can get into a different episode about my feelings around balancing motherhood and entrepreneurship and how I feel about being someone who really loves to work. I know I've expressed to you that it's already been emotionally difficult for me to be limited in my capabilities and energies around my work and having to scale back my work. That's already been like a a difficult thing for me to do. And I've had to restructure my identity a little bit in that sense. But essentially something that Ed Milet said on a podcast, he said, one of the biggest forms of neglect This is so good. This is so good because as moms, we can think like, oh, should I be home with my baby? Oh, will my baby be negatively affected if she sees me working a lot, right? And it's the mom guilt of like when you're not working, you're, you know, yeah. And so Ed Milet says that one of the biggest forms of neglect a child can experience is a parent not living up to their full potential and following their dreams to the extent that they want to because their child's idolizes their parent and one day the kid will grow up and know who their parent is and when that kid finds out who their parent is the child that looks up to their parents tenacity resilience the fact that they busted through fear to live the biggest life they could the fact that they were passionate and aligned and on purpose is going to fill that child with such permission to do the same in their own life But I never want my child to get to a point where she finally knows who her mom is in this world. And it's a mom who was afraid and held back and didn't follow her own dreams and sacrificed herself and made herself small to help other people. And so that was just such a powerful invitation that my baby girl needs me at my highest aligned self. And I know what does that for me. I know what does that for me. And so me not being that is actually the biggest disservice I could give her because I cannot look at her in the eyes and say, be whoever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do. You can find your purpose. If you're not doing that. If you're not doing it yourself, it, it doesn't translate that lesson. So that was the biggest. It's so it's so interesting because it, it seems like such a misconception, at least like yeah. I think our parents' generation, which was like, like sacrifice everything for the kids. Like you, you know, you do everything for the kid. And there was also that narrative of like, you don't have a life once you have kids. Like they become your life. Like you do everything for them until they leave for college, right? And I think it's just so beautiful what Ed Milet, and also just, I mean, Ed Milet, dude, I'm so happy that I pushed past my resistance towards him because he's, he just, it's so funny because me and Ben June, we're looking at photos of him. We're just like, this (laughs) is so off brand. Like, I can't believe this is him. Like, it's so wild. But I was listening to him. I think I sent it to you where he was on Light Walkins podcast. Ben and I were driving to the Santinez Valley. We were listening to it in silence. Both of us choking up with like a, on the verge of tears, the entire episode, like, I told myself that I would listen to that episode every week because yeah. it is because I I think I forget the lessons that he the the just the profound oh my god if anyone is listening to this and needs just a boost of inspiration and motivation and just to feel like deeply feel connected to yourself and to people around you listen to Ed Milet on Light Watkins' podcast it must be like the latest one and honestly Ed Milet delivers every single every fucking po- every fucking podcast who he is is someone i look up to 
to the nth, nth, nth degree. I relate to him on his drive. I relate to him yeah. on his work ethic. I relate to him on his relationship to God. I relate to him on how he treats other people. I relate to him on his mission to serve. I, I, when I say I relate to him, like I aspire to be him in many aspire, ways. Yeah. Well, you know, there was one thing that, and we're kind of going off topic, but whatever, I can talk about Ed by Let forever. So actually Light asked him a question that I would hope that, we have the opportunity to ask him one oh. day, but oh I'm so happy that Light asked him of what is his definition of success now, mm -hmm. which is something, sisters, you probably know, like I struggle a lot with, you probably struggle with this, like, you know, we're, we're so conditioned to believe that a certain metric or a certain number in the bank account is your success. But really, it's something that you you define by yourself. And I, I got to get tripped up sometimes when like friends of mine are like, oh, they're super successful. And I'm like, so you're saying that they're successful because they have a lot of money, right? And they're like work in finance. Like that's what you're, and I need to not internalize that. I've like started to shut myself off of that type of thinking. But Light asks him and Ed said the most profound thing, and I've been trying to remember it as I kind of navigate my days, but he said, look, my sister is a teacher. She's a teacher and she is wildly successful. And when he said that, I was like, oh wow, like is she like, you know, makes so much money and like, is she like a famous teacher? Like, oh, but he was like, she's wildly successful because she had a vision and a blueprint for her life and she has her specific gifts that's giving to others, that's helping to educate, that's, you know, being a compassionate person. Those gifts translated perfectly into schooling and being a school teacher. And so she had the blueprint, she did it. She is successful. That's it. I make a ton more money. He said that she only makes like $40,000 a year. Yeah. And he was like, I make way more money than her. She is more successful than me. Yeah. And I was like, whoa, whoa. So basically he just, he distilled it down to, you have a vision for your life. You have your gifts. And then if you are living out that vision in the blueprint of your life or in pursuit of that, then you're successful. That is literally all it is. Yeah, when you're matching your gifts with the blueprint of your life, when with you are blueprint. like full, yeah. it, when you are in your gifts fully expressed. Yeah, and I was thinking, I was kind of reflecting. I'm like, what are my gifts? I think I'm a really great like community leader. I'm a really great like facilitator and orchestrator and leader. I'm a good like entertainer, and I like to have fun and connect with people. Those are things I'm doing every day when you posted the photo of 100 people showing up to your or 50 people showing up to your camber walk I have never felt as if you were more successful in that moment and in that moment you yeah. didn't make any money you didn't sell a bunch yeah. of shit you didn't you know buy a house I was like that is Maddie being so fucking successful, successful. in that moment and I felt yeah. it through that photo and that's exactly yeah. what he talks about and and this is I'm so happy that we're getting here together because for me money is a part of that blueprint for me. Like, and that's fine because it's not for everybody. But for me, money is a part of that and work is a part of that. And like business growth is a part of that. But I don't sacrifice, like a finance guy could make 10 times more than me and hate his life. And I will still never find that person successful in my head. I just won't. Yeah, 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 yeah. It needs to have another, it's not just, it's just not seeing Like, I agree. I came to terms with that when I was doing Lacey Phillips's work of, yeah, part of my authentic code is luxury Same. and freedom. And yeah. I fucking, I, look, I love a, a certain lifestyle. I love, I love nice things. I, I love, you know, going off to weekend trips and eating at nice dinners. Like, that is something I deeply, deeply enjoy. And that is not something to be felt 
like it is greedy or mm -hmm. that it is, you know, not the right path or not success. So a hundred percent, I, I agree. I aspire to that. And I, but I think for me and my brain, the balance is a little off where I'm like, yeah. until I can have an abundance of going on weekend trips, getting massages uh, whenever I want, whatever, then I feel like I won't be quote unquote successful. But yeah. it's not that it's the balance of, yeah, the walk club that I, that I put on and the success of TikTok and the success of Camber's TikTok. Those are very, very successful things without me having the abundance money to go, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I couple like external markers with like the external markers are only successful to me if internally I feel good every day moving through what I do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like the most important part is that internally I feel good moving through whatever I do. You could pay me a million dollars a year salary to work for you and I will say no because that's not success for me inside. Success for me inside is having the freedom and the alignment every single day to figure out a way to make a million dollars later by myself. Right. Well, that's what Ed said where, you know, his dad, you know, never went on his private jets or all these things. And yeah. his dad told him, when you get the big mansion and you will, you'll get it. You're going to have to live there. You. Yeah. You as you are now, like you think that the mansion is going to make you a different person. You still are going to be the same person living in that house. So why mm. not embody? I mean, it's all about, you know, that's what manifestation is. It's also very similar to the saying, wherever you go, there you are. So when you yeah. think, well, if I just lived like a nomad abroad or well, if I just lived in a different house or well, if I just moved out of the suburbs and went to the city. Well, if I just lived on the beach and I did this, right? Well, if I just go to New York, well, if I just go to LA, well, if I just moved to Orange County to be closer to Adam and everywhere I went, there I was. There I was. Yeah. It's so, it's so fascinating. We need Ed on this podcast. We just, we need him. We need Ed on this podcast. I would, I would first shit my brains out my butt. You'd probably have a whiskey with him. Oh, he drink oh my god we would have a nice whiskey we would have to do it in person i mean like manifestation is that we go to his laguna beach house and we record at his laguna beach house okay i don't want to like i don't want to like invite myself i mean yes of course we would we'd love that no 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 he records all of his podcasts there so but not not other people's well we we can be the first we are we are the first, yes. Well, no, other people have done we it. We are the ones. Yeah. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Okay. Can you ask like one more pregnancy questions? Because we got to wrap this up and we got to maybe go back to the topic at hand. Oh, okay. Um. Well, that was it. Oh, okay. We're done. The thing is these questions you have been talking about. So maybe just give us an update. So okay. far, what has the hardest thing about your pregnancy been so far? And what has been the most rewarding? I think the, the hardest, hardest for you has been the energy levels and the pulling back of work and the most rewarding is that you have a little baby girl feeding inside of you and also I think most rewarding is your big boobs no the boobs are very annoying they're too big they're oh. very uncomfortable and hurt a lot and they're difficult to sleep with the hardest part I will say is truly one I've done a lot of motherhood wounds and a lot of trauma clearing through hypnosis and Reiki sessions and meditations and journaling because I want to clear any negative or intruding expectations or philosophies around what other people think motherhood is. That notion that like I can't have it all or the notion that my life's going to be whatever, all that stuff. I am really, really trying to clear myself of everybody's outside opinions about what motherhood and entrepreneurship is 
when I'm trying to redefine. So the hardest part has been doing a lot of the shadow work, a lot of the releasing of old narratives, a lot of building out my old narratives. I've done a lot of like um, meditations and hypnosis where I've met little me and had to reparent her and love her. I've had to think about who I want to be as a mother. So the hardest part has been a lot of that emotional healing, trauma healing, all that stuff. And to be honest, like being terrified that I'm not going to be able to do what I really want to do and that she will feel that and that she might be the thing that stops me from doing things because that's what I've seen and heard from so many mothers. And so I've been very scared for a lot of my first trimester that this was going to change me so significantly and that I didn't want to lose me because I love me and I love my life. And so that's been the most challenging thing to move through. I've released that really beautifully and have come to a place of complete surrender and like knowing. And I was going to say, I think you need to surrender or release that because yeah, it's a, it's a, or this, or it's not an and both. Well, sure. But what I'm saying is like you then stressing about that, is gonna in turn, it. gives it to the gives it to the baby, which is what you're trying to avoid in the first place. It's like a weird loop. Yeah. yeah. But I had to like release that. And then I went back to a lot of Joe Dispenza's work, which is if you believe in the abundant theory, which obviously I do, is that there is an abundant of future realities that you can take, right? And make your own. So I've decided to envision Scout in a year with a baby girl who's eight months, who is flourishing and loving working and being a mom and all the things. And so I'm keeping on to her. So that's been the hardest Mm. part. I think it's like the identity shift, the physical symptoms that took me out, figuring out who I am now as a mom, all that stuff. And I think it's not talked about enough how difficult that identity transition is. You really like go through a loss and grieving. You like grieve your old self. I've talked to some moms privately and they're like, you need to grieve your old self. And then you need to become empowered as to who your new self is because it truly is like an identity loss right off the bat. But it's going to be so, it's going to be so rewarding. It's going to be. Well, I'm not there yet. And it's also, I want to just point out that I, I can say all of those things and not have to follow up with how blessed I feel and how great it's going to be because I have felt as if people aren't true enough in that portion of it, just as it is, like with no judgment, no need to like, but I'm so grateful, right? Like it's okay that that part and that, that transition and emotional experience for me was difficult and that I moved through it. But because I just, I just want to point that out because I feel like as moms, we say something and then we're like, but we're so grateful. And it's like, you don't have to, you can just be in that shitty part. You can be in that challenging emotional thing. You can be scared to lose yourself and not have to overcompensate and, and pretend to, you know what I'm saying? So, but the question does ask what the most rewarding thing is. And now that I feel like I've gone through that and my physical symptoms have lifted, The most amazing thing in the world is having this bump, is connecting to my baby girl. I have never already felt such insane love for anything in my life. Like I just think about her and meeting her and I picture her all around my house and I picture holding her and hugging her and having her next to me and It is truly, 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 it doesn't get more meaningful in your heart center than imagining the fact that your baby is being born. Like it's, it's insane. It's incredible. It's like, and and I wouldn't trade any of the challenging parts of this experience for me, any of the emotional parts, any of the fear, 
any of that for for this. Like this is the ultimate thing that I now cannot imagine ever living without already. So I'm so excited for her. I'm so excited too. All right. Well, thank you sisters for listening. Thank you Scout for being so vulnerable. And we're so excited to check in every week for the pregnancy corner and just just keep going. Keep keep growing. Keep, keep growing, growing the baby. Keep, keep growing, growing the baby. Okay, Mads, I love you. I can't wait to be with you next week in Palm Springs. Woohoo. Okay, love, love you sisters. sisters. Bye. Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalgleish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Tune in every Thursday to I'm Not Your Shrink wherever you listen to podcasts. While I'm not your shrink, I am still human and I'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together. 